Money FM 89.3. Best of your money. Money and me on your money. Only on Money FM 89.3. The Nasdaq Composite Index this week booked its first close in correction territory since March. Happened uh, Wednesday. Nasdaq up about 1% overnight, but you know, 66 corrections since 1971. And for 37% of those corrections, um, 37% of them, resulted in bear markets or declines of at least 20% from a recent peak. So the tech-heavy Nasdaq off to a terrible start, down 8.3% in 2022. What does this mean for investors? And uh, how much more turmoil is ahead for Nasdaq? Let's check in with Chai Sun from Provident. He's Cheng Chai Sun, Head of Investment at Provident. Later on, we're going to take a closer look at the U.S. Federal Reserve. No real map ahead. You know, lots of expectations for rate hikes this year, but what was actually said at their Jan meeting. We'll also take a closer look at MAS and their surprise off-cycle tightening move, what it really means for you. And I guess the big question for investors is, you know, how do you position your portfolio? What's the most important thing you need to get through either a stock market correction or if you see one shaping up, what should you do? Cheng Chai Sen, Head of Investment at Provident, joining us live now. Good morning, Chai Sen. So your thoughts on the correction in the Nasdaq last month, what comes through? Um, that's the big thing on everyone's mind last month. Uh, we saw the Nasdaq drop about 15% from its high before recovering a little towards the end of the month. And I think it was driven by a couple of things. Mm-hmm. Now, as we know, uh, markets are already in a state of uncertainty due to the upcoming rate hikes. So there has been some repricing of stocks because of a higher potential discount rate in the future. And markets are always forward-looking, as we know. So, you know, even though the rate hikes haven't happened yet, you know, the markets, investors, they're all looking at what's coming up. And, you know, largely some of the earnings from tech companies uh, haven't been so good. So uh, the big examples are Facebook and uh, Netflix, right? Um, Aside from an earnings miss, uh, Facebook reported its first ever fall in daily active users. So that's a big thing as the company is uh, valued for strong growth. But if that growth slows, then investors uh, are likely looking to uh, evaluate how they value that company. Similarly, at Netflix, the issue was just less of a uh, less than expected sub- subscriber growth. And we've seen big falls in both the company stock price, you know, after they reported their results. And mm. that's really sort of what has been uh, uh, causing this correction in the NASDAQ. You know, for people with passive exposure to the NASDAQ, I guess the question is, will the broader market be able to thrive without the, the tech mega uh, cap stock steaming ahead? Um, I think you can see that the indexes have obviously fallen a lot less than what some of these big tech stocks have fallen. Like Facebook fell 25% in one day, right. but um, the NASDAQ fell, uh, at its worst, fell about 15% uh, over you know, over time period. And you know, the S&P 500, the Dow, uh, uh, fallen much less. So, you know, uh, and other companies have been reporting good results and have been uh, rewarded for it. Like Apple reported great results. The stock, uh, you know, has, has gone up quite a bit. Um, a company like uh, Exxon reported one of its uh, best results ever, I think. And, you know, the stock price is up about 20% for the month. 
So, of course, uh, some companies won't do so well. Some companies will do better. That's why we always say you should be diversified. So what are you expecting ahead? Uh, you know, 20% correction ahead or is the bull market over? That's, that's really hard to say at this point. <laughs> but we have seen a recovery. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think a lot hinges really, uh, uh, as you mentioned, uh, one of the things we'll talk about later is um, the rate hikes and the, what the Fed's going to do. I think a lot of it will depend on that. All right. All right. Speaking of the rate hikes, let's go there now. So, you know, the Fed seeing a March rate hike, that's what most commentators we spoke with say, but no real roadmap after it. So some cautious signals. What did you take from what was actually said uh, about rate hikes at the Jan meeting? Yeah, what's interesting is it's probably what really wasn't said. So if you, you, you quote the, uh, to quote the FOMC January policy statement, I mean, they said, uh, committee expects that it will soon be appropriate to raise the target range for the federal funds rate. But yeah, as I said earlier, that's, uh, likely indicating the March rate hike, but it's really about what they didn't say because, you know, typically the Fed has guided the market on what the next steps are to reduce the uncertainty of the market. But this time the Fed chair, Jay Powell said that they would be humble and nimble instead. So, which everybody in the market really is taking to imply that they will do whatever it takes uh, to combat inflation if inflation remains persistent. So, you know, they're striking a more hawkish tone um, by saying that there's room to raise interest rates without affecting the labor market. Um, Because data from the labor market shows job gains averaging about uh, 365,000 a month from October to December last year. Mm-hmm. And uh, payroll employment is within the 6.4 million jobs. Unemployment has fallen uh, 2% over the past six months to December. So it's only now uh, 3.9% in December in the U.S. So, um, And on the flip side, inflation readings are the highest they've been in years. So the Fed is no longer saying that inflation is transitory mm-hmm. uh, and they're likely to act. With market pricing in about three to four rate hikes this year. And, and where do you stand? We've spoken to some commentators who say five is likely. Of course, you know, we, we know the Fed is going to have to move deliberately uh, to withdraw accommodation and not upset the economy at the same time. But what are you looking at? Well, given that they do feel that they have to raise rates because of the inflation, mm-hmm. and uh, they have also said that they think they can raise the rates without affecting uh, the labor market. Yeah, I think, I think four to five is a, is a possibility. Do you think the Fed is late to the game when it comes to dealing with inflation or do you think, hey, the uncertainty caused by the virus has made it difficult for Fed officials to really provide the same kind of guidance that it was able to offer in the past? I think if you look at the data, uh, there's this thing called 10-year break-even. Mm. Uh, that that sort of the inflation uh, rate that the market is pricing in at current uh data levels of you know where treasury yields are, where the Fed funds rate is, and uh, where inflation is. Uh, it's actually only at about 2.4%. It's held around there for quite a while. So, you know, the Fed targets about 2% inflation. So that's not been running away. So if we don't see that running away, it seems like the market still feels the Fed uh, is hasn't really lost control yet. But I think... Uh, that really will depend on whatever data we see in the future. If inflation jumps even higher than expected and if the Fed still uh, doesn't act 
then uh, we might see that change. All right. Bringing back to Singapore, January 25th was when MAS came out to say it was tightening its monetary policy amid a further upward shift in Singapore's inflation outlook. And we know that this adjustment slightly raising the appreciation of the monetary policy band, uh, that's the Singapore dollar near policy band. So that adjustment falling outside of MAS's normal cycle Twice yearly monetary policy reviews is what we're used to. Um, what should we take from this surprise off-cycle tightening move? Yeah, uh, good question. Yeah, the last time an off-cycle change happened was in January 2015. So you can see that this is something that happens very often. Uh, yeah, and as you mentioned, what they did was they steepened the slope which uh, basically uh, increases the rate of appreciation of the Singapore nominal effective exchange rate, the near, while keeping the width and level unchanged. So, you know, what that really means is Mm. that uh, it's likely because core inflation, which excludes accommodation and private transport costs, hit a seven-year high for Singapore in December 2021. And this is also the second adjustment in three months. Uh, They made an adjustment uh, in October at the previous meeting. So this shows how concerned MAS is about inflation because now core inflation is projected to be 2 to 3% uh, in uh, 2022 versus up from uh, October's uh, 1 to 2% forecast. And um, yeah, so ha- because they, do, they do this to strengthen the Singapore dollar most likely because having a strong Singapore dollar makes uh, imports cheaper um, product and protects consumers here from sharp spikes in the prices of goods and services. So um, market is thinking that, you know, after these adjustments, the Sing dollar is in line for some modest appreciation against the US dollar. Mm-hmm. And depending on the inflation outlook here, we might even see further tightening in April. All right. So given the inflation expectations, the volatility in the stock market, the big question for investors is where do I put my money, Chaisen? <laughs> that's that's always the big question, isn't it? Uh, we've we've got a strong preference for value stocks at Provident, uh, as we believe in the value premium, and that's really shown up strongly in January so far. So uh, stocks are you know typically valued on discounted cash flows, and as interest rates go up, that really means that the discount rate's going up. So value stocks have more of their cash flow in the present, not in the future. So their valuation is going to be less affected by a higher discount rate as compared to growth stocks, which we have seen uh, play out in the market where uh, more speculative companies with uh, no profits or less profits have fallen a lot more. And in January, uh, value stocks held up a lot better uh, or some even had positive performance. And so... You know, it's likely because of this reason, because um, their valuations are really less affected when you uh, use a higher discount rate. Um, aside from that, you know, we, we always say remain diversified. Uh, for example, Asia didn't do so well last year, but mm. it's done really well this year. You know, mm. uh, STI, Hang Seng, they're both positive year to date. Uh, STI is, in fact, one of the better performers, up 7%. So, you know, having that diversification in your portfolio, you know, will allow you to benefit from other stock markets that are going up, different stocks that are going up when, you know, right now the US and Europe are are down. But, you know, if you have the diversification to emerging markets, to Asia, um, you're doing a lot better. And, you know, being diversified also allows you to benefit from strong companies that have pricing power that are able to raise their prices in an inflationary environment. Like, for example... Facebook had a pretty bad uh, results season, but, you know, Amazon uh, had really good 
results mm-hmm. and they also announced that they are raising the prices of their prime subscription. So, you know, good companies uh, are able to raise prices and that actually also lets you benefit from this uh, inflationary environment that we are in right now. Just a quick question. I mean, on the point of value stocks, the last time we saw sort of, a, you know, an internet bubble, I think 1999, 2000, we saw even value stocks like Facebook falling uh, significantly over 90%, right? So you're still, um, you know, banking on, on this idea of value stocks. So, uh, really, what are the metrics to identify value? value stocks in this <laughs> volatile environment? Mm, yeah, well, the one that we like is uh, price to book value. So, mm-hmm. you know, if you if you have a company trading at a, uh, a much lower price to book value as compared to its peers in the same sector, I think uh, that's typically how we would say that, that this is likely to be some kind of value stock. So, you know, book value is the amount of assets that uh, the company has on its mm-hmm. uh, net assets that it has and that... Uh, will allow it to, you know, be productive and produce goods and services that, you know, uh, they are able to uh, sell for cash flow. Got it. So if they're trading at a low price to that, uh, you know, you are like, uh, that's also, that's likely to be a value stock. And also, you know, the lower relative price you, you invest in, mm-hmm. the higher your future expected return. Because, you know, if you're investing at a very, very high price, so a lot of the, the upside uh, has been priced into the stock. So unless that stock can grow, you know, exceptionally in the future, um, you might not have as good a return as, you know, buying something at a much lower price. Fantastic your, your, your downside's a lot less. Always great speaking with you, Chaisen. Thank you for joining us. Thank you. Thanks, Michelle. Cheng Chai-sen is Head of Investment over at Provident. This is Money and Me. Before acting on the information on Money FM, please consider if it's suitable for your own investment objectives, financial situation, and risk tolerance. To listen to more great interviews, download our podcasts at moneyfm893.sg or download our audio app. That's A-W-E-D-I-O. Available on Google Play or the App Store.